Hello, welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast. It is the Switzerland versus Northern Ireland preview in Geneva on Saturday night. Um, my name is Andy Bell and I'm joined by, firstly, uh, the Andy Murray of the Spirit of 2016 world. He's Italian for the Euros and Northern Irish for the Nations League. It's Dave Dunning. Dave, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've, uh, we've uh, an Italy loss tonight. Let's see us. Let's see if the the actual homeland can put a smile on my face at the weekend. Great stuff. Uh, Pete, I've no funny joke for you, but I'm also joined by Peter Baker. Pete, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Uh, a bit worse. Throat's a bit sore, so I'm a bit worse for wear at the minute. But yeah, another international break's crept up on us. Looking forward to it. Brilliant stuff. Well, people, stick with you. Let's get stuck straight in. We have an interview with Swiss football journalist Nishal Schwager patel coming up. Um, but we're just going to get stuck straight into the game because it probably is, Pete, one of the biggest games we've well, biggest games we've had in a while. It, it's hard to say that when we've had eight years of pretty much constantly big games, qualification, tournaments, playoffs, playoffs, playoff heartbreaks. But the thing I always say is, as Northern Ireland fans, we're, we don't qualify for that many tournaments. It's, it was 30 years before Euro 2016. I think it was another maybe 30-odd years before that. Um, so for us, we can't say qualifying for tournaments is the only metric of success. For me, when I go into qualification campaign, I just want to see big games. I don't want to see... I don't want to go into October and November of a qualifi- qualification campaign, you know, going to Estonia, losing 4-1 in these dead rubbers. I want big games. And uh, as unlikely and as improbable as the task is on Saturday, um, if we go there and we win by one goal, we're leveling points with them and ahead of them in goal difference. Um, so it's a big game and it's in our hands, as difficult as it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I very much a similar attitude to you watching Northern Ireland over the years. It was always looking at the draw and seeing if we get France, Germany, Holland, whoever, just so we'd have a big game to see at Windsor Park. Never expected the qualify. But yeah, you're right. As, as slim the chances seemed, it's, we do actually have a chance to qualify. Amazingly, after drawing with Bulgaria, and especially after the last game against Switzerland, I'm you know, optimistic as always when it comes to Northern Ireland until, until we play. But uh, really looking forward to it. And we've got a few big players back, or a couple big players back anyway, uh, who we were missing for the first Switzerland game. So there is a chance. Um, very slim, albeit, but uh, maybe. Maybe we can get something. There are some big players back, Dave. Um, there are also some big players injured, as we'll come on to talk about a little bit more in the in the second part of the podcast. But it is a bit mad how you know this group was so tough in the first place. I think I was I was saying to the the guy I was interviewing earlier. I actually think this is in a way a tougher group than what the Germany Netherlands one was in the sense that they were both kind of on a bit of a dip. And when you look at their form afterwards, you think there was actually opportunities opportunities for us to get results there and, and get in ahead of one of them. Whereas these are genuinely two top European nations. Um, it's one of the best Switzerland sides I've ever had. But after we've got the draw against Bulgaria and after we failed to beat Switzerland at home, which seemed like the game that we had to capitalize on, we do still find ourselves at the halfway point of a group where it is in our own hands. And that's mad to say because... You know, the, it's it, it's just indicative of international football. The fact you're in an eight-team league um, where you play, sorry, you're in a uh, five-team league where you play eight games and the um, the accidentals and the things that can, you know, the, the impact that one big result can have can just um, basically sway the entire setup of the group. And that's the case for this one here. It's uh, It really is make or break for us and it's such a difficult game, but 
it's it's crazy to say a draw in Switzerland will would potentially end your qualification hopes and would be a disappointing result in the end. Yeah, it's a funny one. It, like it could end up coming down to that that draw that Switzerland did out against Italy being being the difference. And I suppose when you say one one result can can swing it, I think that's even that statement's even more pertinent when you're in one of the smaller groups with only five teams yeah. rather than six teams. There's less room for error. Um, so one result just has much more of an impact than it would in some of those some of those bigger groups. But you're right, you know, yet again, we, we go into a game towards the business end of, of a qualifying group and there's a bit of jeopardy. The game matters. It's it's not a dead rubber. And, you know, you say we don't, we don't qualify that often, which is true. But, you know, aside from, you know, the last probably, what, eight years or so, we've really come close to qualifying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 you're getting into... Game, game four and five, and they're already dead rubbers. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're able to go to the game or, or switch on the TV or go down the pub or whatever, and and there's actually some interest there, and there's actually something at stake. That's what you're in it for. That's what you go to football games for. Um, it's for becoming emotionally involved and and watching something that matters to you. So again, only talked about this loads is. Got to go out, you've got to get the results to put yourself in a position where when those big games come along, you've got a chance. And we do have a chance. It's maybe a, a small chance, and I'm sure the bookmakers, the bookmakers would say that it's a very small chance, but it's a chance nonetheless. And I think we're due a result in one of these sorts of games. We've been really unlucky in the past. Um, playoff defeats, you know, that one, like that one in, in the Netherlands still calls me to this day, you know, you're, 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 you put yourself in a position in the sense that you're, what, five minutes away from from taking them back to Windsor Park and and then being under real pressure and it, it, it's absolutely being in our hands. So, you know, like I say, I think, I know this is nothing to do with anything, but we're due the rub of the green and surely, you know, we've seen it so many times in football, um, these things can happen and it might just happen to us. Yeah, Pete, Northern Ireland do this to us sometimes. I remember talking to you after the Bulgaria match where we drew 0-0 and we were all agreed that the campaign was over after that because we still had Italy and, and, and Switzerland to come and they were looking so good and they still do look so good. But as supporters, you 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 do think in the most obscenely positive way, you do get the calculator right. You know, we're saying right now, we said after, before the Switzerland game, you know, we need four points from it um and after we got the draw at Windsor you know initially we thought that maybe that was our chance to get the three points that we needed now that the next month has come we're thinking can we get a win here I guarantee you if we lose on Saturday we'll be on this show thinking of some mad permutation where Switzerland go to Lithuania and lose 4-0 and we'll make ourselves believe again but it is, as Dave said, it's not completely false hope. It's genuinely in our hands. If we do win this, we go ahead of them with three games to go with the same fixtures as Sam. Obviously, it's going to get a little bit complicated with goal difference, but listen, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And it's just, it's just in general, it's just great to have a Northern Ireland team who you can go and get excited by and have genuine hopes and aspirations by. And even if it is such a pipe dream that we qualify for this or get a playoff, it's still mathematically possible. And as long as it's mathematically possible, we'll get excited. Yeah. I mean, that's why we follow football, isn't it? 
I mean, there were the days where we were nowhere near qualification at the halfway point. You know, it was done, dusted. We'd lose to Luxembourg and then go home and think about the next campaign. But we just, there just seems to be a, a small amount of hope after every game that we can sort of cling on to. We just keep clinging and clinging and clinging. And the longer we keep that going for in a campaign, the better. I mean, we may or may not qualify. Um, but that's what we live for, the hope of following Northern Ireland. Absolutely. Uh, Dave, to kind of start coming on to talk about the game and the squad, Pete talks about there's a glimmer of hope after every international break. Now, one of the problems from he and, and my motivation and my interest going into this is that a big part of the hope from the last international break was the not emergence of Shane Lavery because we already knew he was scoring goals at championship level, but certainly the emergence on the international stage where he gets his first goal. He gives uh, Akanji and Alvedi an absolutely torrid time all night. Um, and in a way, I actually think he's probably the one player I would have least wanted to pull out of this squad because while we've had him, we have had that a bit of extra hope. We have had a guy up front who, albeit okay, he's playing in the in the second division, and you know he's not he's not world class or anything by any stretch of the imagination yet. Um, but he just did give us something completely different. You can throw him into any game. You can throw him into that Lithuania game. He gets three or four chances. He builds them for himself against Switzerland. He gets one big chance, but uh, as I say, he gives the defenders a torrid time. And he was just absolutely kneeled on for this. And it is such a shame, especially when he scored at the weekend there. Uh, once again, forces went to the Blackpool team regularly in the championship. We haven't had a striker in this good form for their club since, I don't know, it, even, I was going to say Healy, but even Healy didn't do that well for his club for the large part. So uh, He rarely played, you yeah. know, given the span of his career and what he did for us. Well, sure, you went down to, to Windsor Park and they were singing, are you watching Dennis Wise? Because he wasn't getting in, in Dennis Wise's lead side. And maybe that says a lot more for the intelligence of Dennis Wise, but we could be here a long time if we want to sit and talk about that. But uh, yeah, it's 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 such a shame. And and, uh, and for McCann as well, really just two players who've, as I think we were talking about in the pre-pod, forced their way into the, into the squad. They're kneeled on first teamers now. And um, and yeah, it's it's just uh, it's just a little bit gutting, I think, for, that, for those two especially to be out for this. Yeah, I think McCann's come in and impressed everybody uh, with his industry, with his smart use of the ball. Um, seems to be, you know, really tactically aware and just a smart, clever footballer with a really nice touch. And those those footballers don't come about very often, never mind, you know, born born in this country, uh, <laughs> even though he obviously wasn't, but, you know, qualifies to represent this country. But Lavery, oh, it's so frustrating. Um, because he's such a threat. Um, because what he has got is genuine pace, mm-hmm. and I think that is something else that we've lacked over the years: is someone with genuine pace that can turn defenders, that can worry defenders, that can give players and teams anxiety when they're in possession, high up the pitch. And I think they go into that game thinking that they're a lot more comfortable knowing that they don't have that threat in behind. Yeah. Um, because what a weapon that was in the first game. And you're right, he, he did give he did give Switzerland a torrid time. So, yeah, he's one of the few players that you would want to lose. Um, we talk about Johnny Evans, but 
you've got like not like for like replacements, but you've got players with a similar skill skill set there, and the likes of Ballard and mm-hmm. maybe not so much Cathcart, but um, even with with McCann, you know, you can drop a Savile in there. It's not massively different, but the thing with Lavery is he genuinely changes the way you're able to play, mm-hmm. and that that's going to be that's going to be the struggle, and and we're going to have to see what. What Barraclough does to, to try and accommodate for that or try and think outside the box. Um, because I'm sure, you know, if he's anything about him, he's probably going to have to adjust tactically what he was thinking before that news came about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And, and Pete, going into this game, we talk about how, you know, it's unlikely, it's an improbable task. But going into this game with Lavery, I would have had genuine hopes that we could have... have I've sprung a game plan with it. You know, it's still not impossible. We'll come on to talk about the game plan and our approach in, in this way. But but Lavery, to me, it's like, you know, Dave mentions the, the pace and that's a massive thing, but it's also his brain and how he uses it. Like we've called up uh, Paul Smith as a replacement. We've had Gavin White in the squad for, for many years. We've had Connor Washington, who, don't get me wrong, well, all of those, well, two of those, White and Washington, have been very effective at international level. We do have people who could probably match Shane Lavery in a hundred meter race, but it's the way he uses it. It's his, his mindset. It's his niggling defenders getting in the way, making it dead awkward. That's just been such a joy to watch over the, the last couple of months. And it's a massive credit to Barclough for, well, I mean, O'Neill brought him through as well. He, he gave him games. So it was a massive credit to Barclough for making him into this um, first team international too. And uh, we'll come on to talk about who replaces him, but just a massive miss. Yeah. Huge miss. I think the tenacity that he brings as well, you know, in a, 50-50 challenges he can push off a defender, whereas a lot of other strikers who tend to be quick for us maybe don't win that battle. Mm-hmm. And and he's just perfect for how the, the Swiss set up against us. I mean, when they were at Windsor Park, they pushed both their fullbacks up, so there was, there was space in the channels mm-hmm. for Lavery to run into. It was absolutely perfect for him. And I imagine they'll do something similar. Yeah, uh, they've, they've got Mbappé back for this one as well, who's as an attack and a fullback as you can possibly imagine. Yeah. I mean, particularly when they're going to be looking for three points. Mm-hmm. I mean, their their fans will be crying out to try and beat us. They'll see us on paper and think this should be three. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps they may they may be more aware of the threat of Lavery and would set up accordingly. But yeah, yeah a mass. Well, he was man of the match for me last time we played them. Hundred percent. And uh, yeah, it is a big disappointment he's missing out this time. You know, a lot of a lot of our threat is gone. Definitely. Yeah, I think the other thing about him is he's so direct. Yeah. He's got goals. He's got goals on his mind, and that's what he wants. He wants to score goals, and it's not beat the fullback and get to the byline. Um, it's not <laughs> running down blind alleys. It's when I get the ball or when I'm making a run. It's because I want to go and try and score a goal, and and that is the difference. He's he's hungry for goals, and you know, it's. It's difficult to identify someone else in there that that really is because even when you look at the likes of McGuinness and Washington, they bring different qualities. But I think they almost accept the fact that they're fifteen goal a season strikers, and they're not going to score every game. And if they'll go out there and they'll, they'll want to play well and they want to do the job and they want to carry out the instructions that the managers give them, and see if they don't score, it's not the end of the world. But I think for Lavery, I think it's different. Yeah, 100%. Um, Pete, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with you on this because 
we're we're in another situation. It's not listen. It's nowhere near as bad as the the one we did at Dave's house, where the, the day of football emerged and there was just player after player after player pulling out. We've actually done this at at some point near the game or near enough the game that we're able to account for the injuries. But one we're not completely sure about yet is is Johnny Ems. This looks like he's gonna be out. I mean, the way the way our luck is with this podcast, we'll have a, literally a full medical disclosure about every bone in his body tomorrow. Um, but right now, we're not entirely sure. Although there was a local radio station today, Q Radio, were reporting that he is going to miss the game. And I think Ian Barraclough, there's a quote flying around somewhere which hasn't been thrown around that much. I had to scar the archives of the internet to find it, but he said that um, there's a small chance he's going to be back for Bulgaria. So I think we have to assume that, that Johnny Evans isn't going to be fit for this game. And albeit it is a big blow, you know, at least, as Dave says, we've 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 been without the likes of Evans before. We'll have the likes of Ballard come through. Brown does very well in the last game. But without specifically sort of saying who you would uh, replace him with or what you would do, because we'll do that in the second part of the podcast, it's a massive blow. He's, if not a world-class player, a top-quality player. Um, but we've been without him before and we've got results without him before and we're going to have to do it again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously a massive blow off to have Johnny Evans playing for us. He's an inspirational leader for those around him. He's played at the top level. But comparatively to missing out on Lavery, yeah, I don't think which it's is a mad to blow, say, by the considering way. This, this situation around the game. Yeah. If we need to win this, we need Lavery starting. <laughs> if we need to get a draw from it, and Evans misses out, mm-hmm. you know, we've... We've decent replacements to come in for them. They're not quite the same, obviously. But imagine you were saying this a year ago, but yeah, I completely agree with you. Months, isn't it? It's like it's like six months ago if you said, Okay, we're missing Johnny Evans. Or sorry, at least at least we're missing at least we're not missing mm-hmm. Lafferty, we're missing Johnny Evans. Like you've been laughed out of the place. But I, I completely yeah. agree. That's testament to how this squad's evolved. Yeah. I mean it's not it's not disastrous. You know, we've been with him before and we've we've done okay. Mm-hmm. Um is the thing. So, I mean, it's a blow, but I don't think it's the worst thing that could happen to the squad, given we've got some depth there at centre-back. I agree with that, Dave. And I think Johnny Evans, over the last few years, okay, he's put in some really, really good performances at times, but there have been a couple of international breaks recently where he either hasn't been fit or when he, he's, he's kind of been rushed back from an injury. Um, and he's made a couple of mistakes at times. Um, you know, he hasn't had the best, probably, year, year and a half internationally, both in terms of fitness and in terms of his form. So... You've got guys coming in there like Dan Ballard, like you know, Cathcart, okay, also hasn't had the best year and a half or two uh, or five, but um, you've also got Kieran Brown, <laughs> you've also got Kieran Brown coming through. And you know, there's an argument that I mean, Johnny Evans is going to realistically play every game, but you talk about you know, owning the shirt, and, and Barclough talks about you have the shirt now, the other person has to get it off you. If Johnny Evans you know, goes um, several international breaks without playing, and these guys form a partnership at the back, then you know it might be difficult enough for a 34-year-old Johnny Evans with fitness problems to be relied upon every single international break. Am I being too harsh there? You're not being too harsh. Um, and I think, obviously, it depends. Club forms a lot to do with things, and availability is a lot to do with things. And, you know, I think, would, would you drop him in for Cathcart? I know that you would. Um, at this point, which would be fair. The thing about Evans is Brendan Rodgers and Leicester City miss Johnny Evans at the minute. Mm-hmm. That's how good he is. You know, this is a team that have been like on the cusp of qualifying for the Champions League in the last in the last two years. Um, the, 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 the one the FA Cup? Yeah. 
Do you know, th- this is a this, this is a player who week in week out when he's available is playing at the sharp end of what is currently for the first time in ages, even though they say it all the time, the best league in the world. So, yeah, I think he probably does walk in there. Um, and it's 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 more than just what he brings to the pitch as a footballer. It's his experience. It's his leadership. It's his understanding of the game. It's his organisation. It's the respect that other players have for him. It's his influence in the changing room. All these things matter. Um, and he can bring a lot more to that setup, other than just what he does on the football pitch during those 90 minutes. Um, he seems to have been injured for about three years now, like consistently injured. And he always seems to be coming back from an injury and playing and then coming back from an injury and then playing. And I'd love to know the longest stretch of consecutive games he's played in a row in the last two or three years, because I don't think it could be more than maybe about 15. So it's hard as well when you talk about it, maybe getting caught out a few times, which is also fair. It's hard when you're not consistently playing, especially for a defender and a centre half to just step in and just be your absolute best. Um, but, you know, you are right, again, in what you're saying is, you know, those four guys there between McNair, Cathcart, Brown and, and Ballard, they've all done good jobs recently, very good jobs recently. So, as Pete says, it's not the end of the world. And actually, there are players in that team now that you would worry about missing above Johnny Evans and, and Shane Lavery certainly one of them and for me another one would be would be Steve Davis and I'm like let, let, don't get me wrong yes we're missing players we're missing Lavery it's a big blow but you know I think if Steve Davis is in the pitch you've always got a bit of a chance completely agree okay marvellous uh, let's stop it there let's go to an interview with Nishal Schwager Patel um, to talk about Switzerland and after that we're going to come back and talk about the Northern Ireland team we want to see on Saturday night Delighted now to be joined by uh, Nishal Schwager Patel, uh, a Swiss journalist based in London. I think part of, or a guest on the the Bolsplas football podcast, for whom we had uh, Giacomo Notari on for the the last interview with a, uh, from a Swiss perspective. So, uh, Nishal, thank you very much for for coming on and joining us. Thank you for having me. And also, great pronunciation of my name. Not many people get it right first time, so well done. Do you know what? I, I, I It was my first, uh, my initial instinct on, on how it was pronounced, <laughs> but I did actually go and listen to, I went and checked the Balls Blast podcast, and then I saw you were a guest in one of them, so I like, listened to the first minute of this just to make sure. So, But no, um, just just kind of get, get straight into it. Obviously, there's a, a, a massive, massive World Cup qualifier between uh, both our nations this Saturday night in Geneva, um, but we'll park that for a second and we'll we'll look back on Murat Yakin's first, well, three games, but the, there's two that we're really interested in. It's the nil-nil draw with Italy at home and the nil-nil draw with Northern Ireland at Windsor Park. And uh, how have you kind of felt about that from a, a Swiss fan's perspective? Obviously, you'd have, you've had seven years and seven very successful years under Pekovic. A new manager's come in, he's changed the system, he's changed the style, um, but ultimately to probably decent results. You'd have probably taken that at the start of the international break, wouldn't you? Yeah, it was a mixed first international break because at the end of the day, and I'll include Greece for the sake of, you know, what we saw in that game. Um, when we look at it as a whole, they were good results. You know, we got a win in a friendly in his first game. We got a goalless draw and a point against the European champions. And then we got a point away from home. So on paper, the results look good. But then 
when you look at it as a whole, there's also positives and negatives. For example, we were awful in attack against Northern Ireland. We didn't produce anything against Italy. And there is room to improve. We know that. But on the other hand, we haven't lost yet. We've started well. And we're in a really good position where if we win our two qualifiers in October against you guys and against Lithuania, we go level with Italy going into our game next month against Rome, which will be massive. So we're in a good position and Monat Jakin's done well so far. You know, he comes in at a really precarious time for Switzerland where we've come off the best result in a generation in 60 years mm-hmm. at a major tournament. We've got the best group of players ever, in my opinion, but we've almost got to start again with a new management, new tactics, new formation. And Jakin has done well. We've seen lots of positives. We've seen us go between a 4-3-3 and uh, back three as well. We've seen us get good results. We've seen youngsters come back into the squad and a nice blend of youth and Basel players that he knows, as well as the experienced core of Sommer, Jacques and Shakiri. So I'm happy with Jakin so far. You know, there's not much I can complain about, but these two results will be very, very big. If we have another two goalless draws, on one hand, you can say, yeah, we're unbeaten under Jakin. We've not lost a single game. But then you'd be saying, well, we haven't scored for four games in a row. We've drawn goalless four times in a row. So these games will be important, but we're in a good position and we're feeling confident going into the international break. Yeah, you touch on something there that, that I want to I want to kind of talk about for a bit, because obviously, you know, we're a Northern Ireland football podcast and we think about things very insularly and very straight minded on, on Northern Ireland. And obviously for us, we're in a situation where a draw or a defeat really does nothing for us. We we have to go and we have to win this as as unlikely as as that sounds. But I you know, I was always sort of thinking it's us in Switzerland going for second because we're going for second, but as you mentioned there, if you win these two games, you're level on points with Italy. With Italy still to come to Northern Ireland, I'm not sure how terrified they're going to be of Windsor Park. But you know, as I said to you before the podcast, you know, we made it, we made it quite difficult for uh, for a very good Switzerland team. But you know, you you'll fancy yourselves to win this group if you if you can get the results over the next two games, and you know, you can go to Italy, dog it out, and uh, obviously it'll then come down to goal difference. But you know, it, just because it, it it's mags in my head, we're both going for second, and Switzerland are purely focused on second, and a point probably would be good for you guys in in that respect, but. You guys must be looking to to win this group as well. What's kind of the the bigger priority as a Switzerland fan right now? The main priority is qualify for the World Cup. That's it. You know, Jakin will get a year contract extension, which takes him through the World Cup if he qualifies. And that's the aim at the end of the day. And of course, we'd love to win the group. We'd love to finish above Italy. But when the group was drawn, we were kind of saying, OK, we're probably going to finish second. You know, you can see that as well from the Euro 2020 game, where Italy absolutely smashed us. They're European champions for a reason. And, you know, there's we can believe, absolutely. We know we can take on the big boys. We know we can perform. We know we can get that. But it does draw parallels to the last World Cup qualifying campaign where we won nine games out of nine. And in the final match day, we lost 2-0 away to Portugal and they moved ahead of us on goal defence. Yes. Both had 27 out of 30 points. I'll I'll just stop you there because if you're talking about uh, the 2018 World Cup, we're going to skip the playoffs and we're going to go straight to the World Cup if that's all right. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot that was controversial, but yeah, of course, of course. But that was a case where, you know, we were expecting to finish second, but for the whole qualifying campaign, we thought, okay, we might actually have a chance. And then we were brought back down to earth against Portugal, went through those games, which we don't have to speak about on this podcast, understandably. So we've been hurt before by this before so we won't be jumping to conclusions about we can beat Italy and we can do this you know they're unbeaten for three and a half years they've won a major tournament in that time they couldn't win another major tournament this week so we won't be jumping our horses or jumping the gun 
in terms of being able to win the group. But we can. If we win these two games, then absolutely we can. And we can go to Rome, however hard it may be, and try get a result. Because if we get a result in Rome, that's got to be a group, surely. But, you know, that's a month away still. And it's a big picture to look at for Switzerland. Absolutely. Um, the game in, in Belfast last month was a bit mad. I mean, you were saying from, from your perspective, it was like a really terrible game. And for us, you know, it definitely wasn't the most entertaining game of all time. But with the injuries that we had, you know, it was a good result for us. And we were very encouraged at the end of it. Um, Switzerland also had injuries that day. I think um, Xhaka is the only one who's still out. You've brought back in uh, Mbolo, Gavranovic, Shakiri, and Mbabu. Uh, question mark as to how many of those will actually play in the new system, but we'll come on to talk about that. Um, but Fabian Fry, I think, has has pulled out. I'm not sure if he's injured or he just hasn't been selected, but he started in, in Belfast as part of that midfield. So I guess my first question is, I mean, I think, am I right? You definitely played four at the back in Belfast. Do you play four at the back against Italy as well? We did, yeah. You did, yeah. So that's obviously going to be the formation then. So I guess we'll we'll start by by talking about the midfield because that is... You know, as much as Switzerland have an incredible record at home, I guess if there was one potential weakness uh, with how Xhaka plays for his country, he had a had a great Euros, and with Fry uh, being out, I thought actually had a really good game in Belfast. Um, what do you think the midfield is going to be, and is it in any way a concern for you going into this game? Of course, it's a big concern. Whenever we're missing Xhaka, it is massive for us. He is the key. He is the core in our team, and you just have to watch one full ninety minutes with Xhaka and one full ninety minutes without Xhaka in Switzerland. And you see the difference he makes. Um, in the September qualifiers, we played mid bit Michel Erbescher, we played Fabian Fly, and then we gave Dennis Akaria a game in Belfast. But in um, Basel, I'm trying to remember who we played. I think it was with Erbescher. So, 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 yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You're right. And against Italy, the midfield wasn't great. So, looked out of position. Erbescher did play well, but Fly, of course, stood out. Mm-hmm. And then when Zakaria came off the bench, the midfield looked much stronger. So obviously Fry is missing this time. He just wasn't selected, which is a real, real shame because he was superb in September. Maybe there's a deep injury concern, but we don't know about. But what we do know is he won't be taking part. He's on the backup list though. So if something happens, I'm sure he'll be the first name to be called up. In terms of the midfield in Geneva, I would say Abisher, I would say Zakaria, and I would say Freuler because he will be back. And that's by undoubtedly our best midfield because Freuler and Zakaria other two midfielders who come after Xhaka in the pecking order and then it will be between Abisher and So and honestly I really like So but I don't think he'll start he's not played well in the last few weeks last few months of Switzerland but it will be a strong midfield you know Zakari is brilliant midfield and he's getting back to his best now coming back from injury might be going to Roma next season who knows Remo Froil as well still been um, playing brilliant football with Atalanta key player and really coming into his element. And Abisha's had a really good se- start to the season with Ebeb, with BSC Young Boys, and he's always played well with them. And now he's getting more of a chance in these bigger games for Switzerland. We think, well, maybe further down the line, he could be playing them more. So that's a midfield I'd go for. But honestly, we could see a back three. We could see a back four. What's good about Murat Yakin is like he's been flexible. He knows how to play with a transition. And like I said, but we played with a back four against Italy, we were also transitioning to a back three where the fullbacks would push up and it'd be like a 3-5-1-1, which we saw against Greece. So there's room for improvement and there's room for changing, but that midfield should be pretty set in stone, but maybe there'll be a surprise or a span in the works from Jakin. 
Zakaria in 2017 in that playoff that we I said we weren't going to talk about, but I've just talked about. He was absolutely incredible in that game. He was there was a lot of chatter on Xhaka at the time, and obviously people who don't really watch Switzerland and just watch him for Arsenal were, were all sort of saying, "Let's wind him up. Let's try and get him a red card," you know. And um, but Zakaria really sort of stole the show that night. And I've followed him a little bit since. I've watched a couple of games for for Mönchengladbach. I think he had a little bit of a tough time at, uh, of it at Mönchengladbach for a while, but. He's certainly, um, he's certainly a midfielder that that I really rate. And when people always ask me, what's the best performance you've ever seen at Windsor Park? People like to say Erling Haaland. People like to say Frankie de Jong for, for Holland. He was incredible. Um, but I like to be a little bit hipster and say uh, Dennis Zakaria in that, in that playoff. And he was really good in Belfast as well uh, last month, I guess. Um, another player who's come back in, a lot of people will have heard of him. Uh, is Kevin Mbappé. He actually, the maddest thing is that he spent a year on loan at Rangers when they were in the third division and didn't kick a ball, um, which is incredible when, when you look at him now and he's, he's playing right back at the World Cup. But if it is a back four, you know, Mbappé is very much in that mould of a wing back, isn't he? He's, he's a bit of a mad, energetic player who can get up and down the pitch. Um, but Vidmer, as I think has been playing there when it's been a four at the back, do you expect it to remain Vidmer? I'm not sure. It depends what approach we go to the game. And Barbie's a more attacking option. Mm-hmm. Viedma's a more defensive one. And that doesn't mean that they can't do the other role. You know, Viedma's brilliant going forward. And Barbie is very solid defensively. But like you said, in Barbie, we get more out of him as a wing back in the way that we get more out of Viedma in the back four. So I would like to see Barbie come back in. Of course, he's just come back from injury, but he's playing regularly again for Wolfsburg. He's back into the team there. So I think Mbappé will start on Saturday, but it could be either of them. And that's credit to Silvan Widmer above all, because for so long, of course, Stefan Leach signer was our right back and he'd been dominating that position for years. Kevin Mbabu came in and started to challenge him for that position, which then led to his retirement at 36. And now Widmer's come in, taking advantage of when Mbabu's been injured or when he's just been unavailable full stop. And he's played really well. So now we've got really good depth for right back before Mbabu and before Widmer, when it was just Lichtsteiner, when he was injured, we were very precarious and we had a hole in that part of defence when he wasn't playing. But now we've got plenty of options. Even Jordan Latomba, brilliant youngster with Nice. He's someone who could start. He got a few minutes against Italy and against Greece and was really impressive. So we've got options there. But I think Barbu's are most likely to start. But it depends what sort of approach we go for. If we want to go more attacking, go get a win, then Barbu will start. But if we're being more cautious on both flanks, it'll be Vidma. Okay, interesting. I guess you've you've uh, given me the midfield you want to see. Um, you think it'll be Mbappe at right back. It will be Akanji and Olvedi at centre half. Here. I thought were incredible in both games, by the way. Um, and Rodriguez at left back. Summer will play in goal because Kobel has been uh, has pulled out of the squad. Although I think Summer probably would play the rest of this campaign anyway. Mm. And I think Seferovic will will play up front, and certainly Shakiri will will come in behind him. And it's it's dead interesting because you didn't have Shakiri for the last game. For those two that kind of play in behind, I think you go with Vargas and Fasnacht in Belfast, but you play Stefan and Zuber uh, in, uh, I'm not sure Basel. where you played Italy, in, in, in Basel against Italy. Yeah, so four different players played across those two games. Um, now with Shakiri back, it's kind of, you're picking one from four there, I guess, aren't you? And uh, Zuber is the one that's in incredible form for Switzerland over the last few years, if not at club level. But uh, do you think it'll just be, Simply Shakiri, Zuber, Seferovic, strongest team? There's options definitely in tack. We saw a different front threes against Northern Ireland and against Italy. Against Italy, they didn't play well. Battle Zuber couldn't get into the game. Stefan was very slow. And then same story against Northern Ireland. There was no real creativity from Vargas 
or um, Zulba, there's nothing really there. But we've got strong options. You know, I'm looking at the squad now. And I do think the most likely front three and the one that most people will want to see is Zuba, Seferovic, Shakiri, and then Vardagas coming off the bench as an impact sub. But even Bolo's back from injury. Gabranovic is back in. There are so many attacks for Switzerland can play. And it comes down to the shape as well. I mentioned earlier that we played a 3-5-1-1 against Greece, which was really interesting, but worked really well because Zuba was in behind Seferovic just floating around. And of course, he was the only one in that line. He had the whole space of a pitch to run. So we could see something similar like that to break down the lines with Shakiri being there. So there's a lot of options. And especially with everyone coming back from injury, you know, we've spoken about Mbolo coming back, um, Gavranovic coming back, but undoubtedly Shakiri is a key player because like I say with Xhaka, where you see a different Switzerland when he plays, it's the same with Shakiri. We lack that creativity and we lack what he specifically brings. And best of all, is in great form so we'll see interesting okay normally at this point Nichelle I would ask you for a score prediction but you go to um, the Euros you're incredibly successful with the penalties against France and uh, not so successful against Spain so uh, I guess my question is for the incredibly controversial penalty that you're undoubtedly going to get against Northern Ireland once again <laughs> who do you think is going to take it <sighs> oh, it wasn't a penalty we know that we know that <laughs> um... which one there were two <laughs> I'm I'm confident of a result. I wouldn't be surprised at a draw, to be really honest with you. I wouldn't be surprised if we took the lead and Northern Ireland just equalised from a random goal. Something like that, excuse me. <clears throat> so I'll stay 2-1 on Switzerland to be optimistic and to believe. And we have a strong squad. We've got a squad which is pretty much back up to full strength, which we didn't have in September. And even then, we came away with two draws and a win in that international break. So I do feel confident. You know, I know what Northern Ireland are capable of. We had a really tough two legs against them in 2018 qualifying. We played them before and it's always been a very interesting game. Tough to break them down. And we saw, of course, at Windsor Park that you guys were capable of getting forward and exploiting that back four. You know, I've not seen our defence look that shaky for quite a while until since Italy of the Euros, but Northern Ireland were capable of doing that. So I'll say two on Switzerland. I'll stay confident. But... It will depend a lot on what sort of team we put out and what Switzerland turns up because we know on our best day, we can be anyone. We beat France, we've been Portugal in the past, we've drawn against Brazil. We've had great results when we turn up, but we can also struggle to turn up against teams who maybe we'll see as beatable. You know, not in this in this case, but, you know, teams like Lithuania, Bulgaria in our group, we expect to be beaten, but it can still be hard. So it does depend a lot on what Switzerland turns up what tactics we go for. Do we play back three or back four? But at the end of the day, we will all be confident. We've got that strong squad. We come in with really good results and we are in a really good position to come up to Italy, draw level on points of them and put them to a sword in Rome. So I'll say two on Switzerland. Great stuff. Okay, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for your time, Nichel. And uh, back to us. Thank you very much to Nichelle for his time there. Okay, before we talk about the Northern Ireland team, lads, I want to bring back the infamous Spirit of 2016 quizzes. I have no idea. <laughs> I've seen Dave massively wince there. I've seen Pete do the exact same thing. I have no idea what the score was. I know, like, Pete, you won the... I was it Dave won the first one with that mad lunge shout? I can't remember. It's been so long ago now, but we're bringing them back. Um, so just a bit of a short one for this one. Uh, Switzerland <laughs> nil. Northern Ireland nil, November 2017, second leg of the playoff for the uh, FIFA World Cup 2018. There are 14 players 
obviously 11 who start, three off the bench who feature for Northern Ireland that day. Uh, Pete, can you give me one of them, please? Uh, so one of the 14 players who featured. One of the 14 players who featured in the away leg, Northern Ireland versus Switzerland. Uh, Stephen Davis. Steve Davis is correct. One out of 14. Dave. Perpetually injured Johnny Evans. Johnny Evans, yep, yeah, starts the game. Yeah. Uh, Cathcart. Craig Cathcart. He's not in the squad, Pete. <laughs> so they need one more. No, 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 no. There's no way. Craig Cathcart doesn't play. I can't tell you. It would be too much of a clue to, to tell you why you're wrong. But What? Lewis. That's, oh, Dave still has to get one more. Oh, oh okay. Um, Stuart Dallas. Stuart Dallas starts again. Yes, congratulations. Should we go on anyway and see? Yeah, hey, sure. Savile played. Savile starts, yeah. It's only, I think, his third appearance overall. Savile missed a chance. Oh, did he? There's okay. a chance. <laughs> well, I've heard that before. That's, what it, that's when it all began. <laughs> that's that's, that's what stuck out from that game, Pete, that you remembered he played. <laughs> no, yeah, it came. I was excited about him. He was playing quite well. and then He, he did he, really well that night. Got a I, honestly, I think that's where his Northern Ireland career just turns on its head. Yeah, yeah. It, that's the moment. If he sticks that in his, if he sticks that in the net, legend. I, I reckon he's one of the players that we want to see in the team sheet every time we play. Yeah, he's a fan favorite, legend. Of yeah, the he's feeling yeah. great about himself. He can't I don't wait to play for us. He can do no wrong in his own head. Exactly. Whereas now he just has PTSD every time he yeah. <laughs> he, he walks onto the pitch. I mean, for enters the opposition half. Go ahead, Dave. Oh dear. Um, Josh McGuinness. Josh McGuinness uh, comes off the bench. Yeah, starts first leg, comes off the bench in this one. So there's five. Wait. Corey. Uh, Corey Evans doesn't play. Nope, oh, Corey Evans doesn't play that one. Again. You're having a mare, mate. Nope. This is disgraceful. Right, right. All right, know. Dave, might as well keep going here because we've only got five. Um, <sighs> You're going to say what? none for a second there. No, I'm, I'm trying to... Macaulay. Yeah, Gareth McCauley. That's that's what I wanted to say to you, Pete. That was always Evans McCauley at the time. Cathcart must have been injured. So this, on the, bench. Um, the time frame from this is completely... I know. That's the thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, Cathcart's not even in the squad. Neither is Corey Evans, so they must have both been injured, to be fair. Uh, yeah. All right, so Pete, 20, back to you. The 2018 World Cup. Mm-hmm. See, see when, did, when did the keeper change? Yeah, I've been wondering about the keeper as well. You know what I mean? Is it? It's McGovern, isn't it? It is McGovern. Yeah, the keeper changes for the next game when we play. uh, Next game's Bosnia in the Nations League, and Peter Farrell's pretty much in straight from there. Yeah, McGovern's correct. Um, Connor Washington. Connor Washington starts. Yeah, Connor Washington starts that one. Yep. Um, isn't in the team for the the home leg, but starts this one. Yeah, Connor Washington's right. Lewis. Lewis is another one who comes in straight after makes his debut next game <laughs> Wait, have, I, have I watched this team? Do you remember it Pete? There was a controversial penalty or something I can't remember um, uh, Paddy McNair Paddy McNair comes off the bench for the last 8 minutes yeah Paddy McNair is correct Johnny one from you there Dave um, <laughs> They all count mate They all count <laughs> That's nine of 14. They climb more than my three. Is there still five more? Oh my goodness. Yeah, five. five. 
You've, uh, you've only yeah, you've four more starters and one person off the bench. You'll know the one off the bench as well. You'll get yourself. Yeah, yeah I think got, yeah. Okay. McGinn. Uh Niall McGinn is not in the squad either. You no seem to be playing the lads that were injured, Pete. Yeah, Niall McGinn wasn't uh Niall McGinn wasn't in the squad for that one. This is a disaster class. <laughs> right. Or wrong for Pete. Dave's on hundred <laughs> percent somehow. Uh right. Lafferty must play some minutes. Oh. Uh, Lafferty, <laughs> Lafferty was an unused substitute for some reason. Was he? I thought he was the other one that came off the bench and I was thinking there. Lafferty was an unused substitute. I have no idea how that's happened or why he's not brought Lafferty on there. Um, I was under the impression Lafferty was suspended for that one, but he's, according to the BBC, he was on the bench. So um, there you go. Well, if- Comebacks on, Pete. <laughs> Well, if Lewis hasn't played, yeah, surely Connor McLaughlin's around there. Uh, Connor McLaughlin is an unused substitute, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. No, that was one of those uh, mad games where he, he plays McLaughlin pretty much right the way through, but he drops him for Ukraine and he drops him for Switzerland away because he makes he does a mad thing at fullback. What? No, it's not. It's, it's what do you call him? Um. Oh my god, his name has gone completely out of my head. I can't get the name Tom out of my head now. Am I right? Oh god. You're, you're thinking Tom Flanagan? You'd be wrong. I am thinking Flanagan. No. I'm thinking Flanagan. No. Um, no. Anyone else want to have a, another guess before I put you out of your misery? There's five. Norwood. More. Yeah, Norwood. Norwood's correct. Norwood plays. I'm getting stuck on the left back and he plays left back. <laughs> So, right. No, he, he does that at the Euros. He doesn't do that for this one. So there's a right back, there is a left back. There's the two wingers that you haven't got, and you've got one off the bench. Ferguson, surely. Uh no. Ferguson was an unused sub. <laughs> Where have we got this deck? Michael from? Smith. Nope. Smith's not around. Right. I mean, it was around. He was about 35 at the time. Um, Aaron Hughes is gone. I Hughes, no, Hughes plays. Hughes plays what? right back. What? Hughes plays it right back. No. So he does that a couple of times. He does that in the Euros for three of the three of the games after he bends yeah, the off. Oh. And he does Hughes. He does Hughes quite a bit when he's in trouble. Yeah. So Hughes plays right back. So wait. So McGovern, Hughes, Evans, McCauley, left back unknown. Mm-hmm. Davis, wingers Salmon, unknown. Wood. And Washington up front, and then you've got McGinnis and McNair off the bench. So you've two wingers and. Someone off the bench. Shall I give you a clue? Have I not already said McGuinness? Uh, you have, it was right. He was one of the other ones off the bench. Yeah. Um, somebody makes their debut off the bench in this game. Debut. It's a mad one. But you'll remember it when you, you think back. There's a player who makes its debut off the bench. He's in the squad for this. Uh, it's Jordan Jones, isn't it? It is Jordan Jones. He makes Jordan Jones come off the bench and does really, really well. He does, yeah. And I was thinking to myself, why did he not start? And then I saw him after that. <laughs> <laughs> and the next four years ensued. Yeah, Jordan yeah. didn't make his debut. He was on the 74th minute. It's, That's it's right. a match. He plays the left hand yeah. side as well, which yeah. I thought was weird. And he tortures him. Yeah. Yeah. Other wingers. Come on. This is easy. Dallas. No? Yeah, Dallas. Yeah. I said Dallas already. Yeah, I thought Dave said Dallas. It was the first one I said. Yeah. Or the second. Yeah. There you go. Yes. Well, you already had him. Yes, you did. No, you, yeah, you did. Sorry. Yeah, he was the third one. Other winger. We all love him. Come on. 
like winger. Can't tell whether you're being can't tell whether you're being sarcastic or not. Michael O'Neill era, cult hero, winger. Played Jamie pretty Ward. much every game. Jamie Ward. Yep, there you go. That's your Jamie Ward. I love Jamie Ward. I know I always forget about him and I love I him so much and I miss him. <laughs> he just yeah. was he great. The other day. He's he's really good always great. He never had a bad game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On new On substitutes, McLaughlin, Ferguson, Lee Hodson, uh, Lafferty, Alan Manis, Paul Patton, Matty Lund, uh, Rory McCardle, and Rory Matty Lund. So there he you go. Who was left back? Uh, Brunt. Did we not get that? <gasps> what? Brunt. Yeah. Chris Brunt. There's another one that's just went totally out of my head because he yeah. hasn't played in ages. Chris Brunt. Anyway, good to see you guys <laughs> true well and truly wipe that game from your memory anyway. Yeah, I know. I um, know. All right, let's The only uh, thing I remember about that game is Johnny Evans won the cleared off the line the last minute. Yeah, That's genuinely the only thing I remember about that game. Mm, I remember there was a, like a Washington flicked header that was close at one point. We played really well. We played yeah, really we did well. play really well. Yes. Anyway, um, let's talk about the game that is coming up on Saturday. I know this is a bit of like an approach question, Dave, uh, and I know we like to talk about the specific players in this part of the podcast, but is the game plan just to absolutely dog it? Is it just going to be a throw bodies in the way of the ball? Ryder, Lock, Peacock, Farrell's probably going to have to make a few good saves. They're probably going to have to miss a few setters. We're probably going to have one chance in the break that we're going to have to score. Are we just going to have to dog the life out of it? I don't see it being much different than the first leg, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah. They'll pin us back. It it won't be easy to watch. Um. It will be anxiety inducing, and nobody with a green shirt on watching that's going to have a nice time. I don't think for the majority of the game. Um. Yeah, we're going to have to. We're going to have to be compact, and we're going to have to probably sit deep for a lot of the time. The wing packs as there probably will be more fullbacks than anything else. And I would be surprised if, if either of them get forward into the opposition half, you know, more than probably half a dozen times between them. And yeah, you're looking for, you're looking for Davis to try and, you know, instill a bit of calm and, and some periods of, of possession and, and maybe just try and go, you know, Early and often and behind, and if Larry's not there, then maybe Washington's pace. You know, he's obviously not as quick, but maybe get the ball into the channel, try and get some, try and get some runners to support, and see if we can nick something. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's it's going to be it's going to be tough for us out there. They're a really good side. They've got quality quality players. Um, they've got. It was a good well, he lost twice at home to England in the last eleven years in yeah. in uh, qualifiers. That's the only you know, they've lost at home. So there's a lot of that squad that just don't know what it feels like to lose in Switzerland. Yeah, and you know, they've got Champions League winners on their side for Premier League. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a much it's a funny one. It's a much harder game than it is on paper, yeah. especially especially given the players that they were missing. For the first match, and maybe we forget about the number of the number of absentees they had due to the COVID outbreak. I think yeah. Shackle will probably be back as well, won't he? No, he's the only one that's still out. So, okay, so Shaq is still out. Kiri's going to come into the yeah. team, um, and and Babu's, as you said, is going to be at right yeah. back, and, and he, Bolo and Gavranovic back in as well. Yeah, and you know, Bolo's just an absolute handful. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be difficult. Um, I think the, the I think. 
we stop the quality from outside the box with Alexis Securi and you try and stop crosses coming in because of a couple of big lads and you try and stop getting them to the byline and that all sounds fairly straightforward but it's really really hard it is Pete I'm actually all right for once with him picking a dead conservative lineup here I'm more than happy for it to be nil nil in 70 minutes I think we'd all shake hands on that right now and just you know, especially when you've got five substitutes, you can just do something mad and completely change the outlook of your team um, to flip the tactics on their head. So I'm fine with that. And you know, we always talk about, you know, we want to see a bit of excitement. We want to see certain players in who can get us off our seats. But if he just wants to pick his most conservative eight and then Josh McGuinness and, and Washington up front, as we'll come on to talk about, then I'm all right with that for 70 minutes. And, um, you know, I think in the early part of his Northern Ireland career, that's what he always kind of tried to do. So he should be used to it. He should know what his most conservative side is and he should probably just go for it from the start here. Yeah, I think just try and grind it out. Let, uh, try and make our hope last a little bit longer until mm-hmm. the last few minutes. And then they start getting a bit twitchy and then you never know what can happen. I just don't want an early goal from Switzerland in the third minute. Do you remember when um, Germany played us at Windsor Park? Yes. And was it Rudy scored a screamer yeah, inside three minutes? I thought we had a chance here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the most disheartening thing you can imagine. But yeah, just keep it nil-nil for as long as possible. I think I think this time round, our outlet is going to have to be uh, our fullbacks if we mm-hmm. play three at the back. Mm-hmm. And then maybe Dallas, maybe Bradley, and then Lewis on the other side. Um, as opposed to our strikers being the main source of getting us out of jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can only I can see that as the only difference really um, yeah. but similar setup the last time yeah I think it's it's one of those where we're going to go into the game thinking we're just going to get one maybe two chances here and we're not going to know where they're going to come they might come from a mistake they might come from a good, bit of good play they might come from a set piece but we're not going to know if that's going to come early or going to come late or whatever so I think you just have to go into it with a mindset we'll keep it nil-nil we'll take a chance or chance when it comes as I say, if you get the 90 or if you get the 70, 75 at nil-nil, then you can make the substitutions. Then you can kind of make it a bit more of a philosophy thing to go and get the goal. Um, but Dave, with Johnny Evans out, I think there's two things he can probably do here. I can't remember if it was you or Pete who was saying in the pre-pod that he might go for Thompson and Salve in the midfield. I don't think he's going to go with two left-footed midfielders. So with that in mind, he has to do either Dallas or McNair in midfield. So I guess if you're doing Dallas in midfield, with Michael Smith being out, it's going to have to be Connor Bradley at right back, at right wing back. Um, or if you want to do McNair in midfield, then you're going to have to put Kieran Brown in there like he did against Switzerland. I think he's going to go for the latter. I would love him to go from the former. Yeah, it's a funny one. One decision has a knock-on effect like two or three other positions, um, which is a difficult position to be in because you're having to look at the whole picture rather than just I'd rather have that lad than that lad. So personally for me, I think he goes McNair centre half. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Do you, I, think, I don't. The reason I say that is because I think the I think the the Sheffield United esque overlapping centre half. I think it's a thing, and I think it's a real thing for him. Um, it looked to have been some. It looked to have been something that we've we've worked on. Um, will he? But, will he be a bit more? reined in if he's up overlapping Connor Bradley though maybe not again but this 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 comes back this comes back to the conversation that we were having earlier on and if he does that is he then compelled to put Dallas at right at right wing back you know it, does that factor into his thinking who plays there based on based on the individual um 
So I don't know. I think I think the McNair thing is is something that we're probably going to see more and more and more of. You know, if if Barraclough stays in the role, um, I like it. I think it's inventive. I think I like it, it poses a problem. Um, it's another footballer in the side, and mm-hmm. Kieran Brown is a defender. And I'm I'm gonna probably just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I don't know what I don't know what he does in midfield. Then I've got I've got no idea. And and again, this comes back to is his hand just forced as it was in in the first leg? Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite quite possibly. Pete. It's uh, it's a bit of a mad one. I, I I was thinking about this earlier on. I was thinking, you know, as I I asked you guys in the first part of the podcast, do we need to dog it? Do we just need to go as conservatively as possible? And you would think that the the dogging it option is Kieran Brown at centre half. I mean, you know, he is very much. He's not that quick. He's uh, he's he's not actually that bad on the ball. But he, the way he plays, he's very much kind of head it and kick it. He's he's Brexit in every way, apart from the haircut, to be honest. And um, for me, I was thinking that's the that's the only way you go if you're going defensively. But the, when you watch Connor Bradley, he gets absolutely stuck in, and that fearlessness, in a way, might be. A way of dogging it in a way I don't know in the sense that he's going to throw himself in front of everything he's you know he's not scared of anyone he's so little experience that he's just gonna he's just gonna be be that fearless player and I don't know I mean I th- I'm, I'm not averse to either I think he's going to do Brown so I think doing Connor Bradley at right wing back in Geneva is just a bit too much crack for Barclough but uh, I hope he does I mean I'm, I'm sure t- I'm sure tactically Bradley's more than capable of playing mm-hmm. a sort of conservative style um I wouldn't mind seeing him at right wing back because, you know, the the chances of us getting a result here are slim. You might as well chuck him into a big competitive game now when we're not expected to do anything. Then he's got that experience. And when a, a game we're expected to win or um do well and comes in the next campaign, he's ready for it. And we're not throwing him in at the deep end because I think he starts first in the future. Um and it's probably about getting your best footballers on the pitch. And if you weigh up him and Brown, yeah, Bradley's better. Probably footballer. say Bradley's a better footballer. Yeah. Um, although he's got a limited experience, you, you probably would say that. Um, he's got he's now the, got the Liverpool game under his belt as well. Yeah, you know, where yeah. he did fairly well. He did give away a penalty, but he did fairly well in that game. I thought, and that's <clears> a big step. Somebody you know who is potentially playing two or three games in the League Cup. I know Nico Williams is back now, but. You know, he's clearly happy to throw him in. He could have done Milner at right back if he wanted to, but he didn't. He did Bradley. He showed that trust in him. And if if he is to, you know, be the second choice right back for Liverpool for those cup games, then he's more than capable of playing for us, really. Yeah. I mean, you could I mean you could play Bradley right back, McNair beside him. Um Dallas, I can't believe he sent Dallas in midfield. <laughs> but then Thompson. I know how the times have changed, Dave, going for for Dallas at right wing back and you yeah. Dallas in midfield. Dave saying Jones excited him at some distant point in the in the past. <laughs> yeah. Those flashes <laughs> leading. I'm just trying to, we're gonna be under the cough so much. Yeah. You need players at the back who can actually hold on to the ball and are comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they'll just hoof it clear and then invite more and more pressure on this. So, I agree with you. I, the other the other side of the argument is that yeah. he's He's playing for for Liverpool under twenty ones, and yeah, yeah. he's he's playing probably most of his games with the ball and been able to play in the opposition half. Um, and what Barakoff might look at is, and say is, 
we're probably going to have somewhere between 20 and 30% of the ball. And I need players that are disciplined. I need players that understand the role. I need players that are going to be, you know, switched on for 90 minutes. And does he have, does he have that amount of trust to put in, yeah. like, a skinny little kid, let's be honest, because that is what he is. He is he's far, he's far from far from a fully grown man yet. He does um, him for 25 at home. Yeah, he, he, he absolutely does. He absolutely does. And I, I feel that's more to do with how the game kind of developed, where okay. we were getting joy and we were actually at points in that second half able to impose ourselves a little bit in possession. Mm-hmm. And I think that he just says to himself, well, I'm going to give him something to think about. I see an opportunity here and I'm going to try and take it. I personally can't see him doing it from the start. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Pete, I'll come to you on, I guess, the midfield question. Unless you're doing Thompson and Savile in the same midfield, which you can't see him doing, um, it's one of the two. And I think regardless of even with, if Evans was fit, um, regardless of whether you're in Dallas midfield or McNair midfield, you're doing one of Thompson or Savile. And uh, it, it, I think he's probably going to do Thompson. Thompson didn't let him down in either game. Um, there were some question marks around his performance in Lithuania, but I, th- I think he does quite well against Switzerland uh, at home, especially when we're without the ball. I think he presses really well. He gets stuck in and his use of the balls um, is quite good. So I think he probably does, but there's always a Savile argument. I mean, we always make the Savile argument in this podcast, mainly to annoy people, to be honest, but he's, uh, he's, he's, he's physical. He's one of those players that if you're going to dog it, he'll happily dog it for you. Um, and if you're going to be tight and compact, it's not going to bypass him like we've seen in some games. He's going to have people around him and, uh, and he's got a goal in him. He's playing every week in the championship. So he clearly is a good player. He's a better player than what we see in the Northern Ireland shirt normally. Yeah. I mean, when they play international football, you look at them both, there's no real point of difference between the two of them. I think they can both do a capable job. Um, maybe this time around, this is Savile's circle. He's come the complete circle. He missed a chance in Switzerland <laughs> uh, to help us qualify all those years ago. Uh, maybe this is a chance for redemption. I, I think he'll probably side with Thompson just because he didn't let him down in the last game. There's no reason to drop him. Um, and I don't think Savile has done anything exceptional recently to um, say otherwise. Yeah, Dave, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this because I know we've had the, we kind of had a bit of a debate after Lithuania on Thompson, although I think we agreed with a lot of what each other were saying. And um, I think I just more sort of focused on what he was doing rather than what he wasn't doing uh, off the ball. But I'm interested because I know that before the last Switzerland game, you would have said Savile all day long for this fixture. Um, but with the Switzerland game in mind, he did show he can play in that game. He was mature with his use of the ball. He held on to it. He knew when to put the foot on it. He gave us the attack an option and the width, um, and he pressed really well. And again, you're talking about getting stuck in, making it awkward. Thompson probably does that a little bit more than Savile, generally, I would say. I thought Thompson was super against Switzerland. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um, just far better in his decision-making and just far more almost looked like a more mature player. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know, maybe he got carried away against Switzerland and thought that he was levels and levels above them. But, you know, he really switched on and he really got he really got what the role was and he really carried it out brilliantly, I thought, against Switzerland. So I see no reason why he he loses his place. Um, you might start to see him really kneel down a starting position under, under Barclough. Um, he seemed... Bizarrely, he seems to trust him more than O'Neill trusted him, mm-hmm. which is strange. Um, 
But I think there's an argument for him doing both of them. I think he could do do Savile and, and Davis in that kind of it's it's almost a two really when when Thompson has been playing there those last couple of games because he is very left hand side. Mm-hmm. Um and when McCarron's been playing, it's been more central than the same on the other side. Yeah. So I think you could do Savile in there with, with Davis and you could you could say to Dallas, right, it's going to be hard for you. It's going to be a lot of work, but you're going to have to cover at, at right field back and you're going to have to cover that right midfield rule as well. Mm-hmm. And McNair will sweep across when he can. But, you know, that that's kind of where I think the manager's head will be at. And that's why I, I think he'll go McNair, Dallas, Savile, sort of almost on that, that right-hand side. And I okay. think that's a pretty strong right-hand side. Yeah, no, I agree. It is. I just, uh, I, just I, I can't think of any time I've ever seen two left-footed centre midfielders on either side of the defensive one in the same team. But in theory, there's no reason why it, it shouldn't work. You'd think that would be the, you know, Dallas at, at wing back and, and McNair overlapping. That's a real point of strength for us, and there's no reason why we should we should compromise that in theory. And uh, it was interesting you said, Dave, before the pod, you were like he could do a mad shout like like a McCallum, but he hasn't he hasn't actually brought anyone like that in. He's brought Winchester and he's not going to do Winchester in this game. Um, he could have done Corey Evans. Actually, Corey Evans would probably have been absolutely perfect. If perfect. He, if he was fit, um, which is mad and such a shame. Um, but we don't really have the time to talk about that. Let's go on to the strikers. That's the last thing we'll do. Um, Pete, it's gonna be McGinnis Washington, I think. Um, it would have been McGinnis, sorry, it would have been Washington and Lavery. I can't see him doing Charles from the start off the bench by all means. I can't see him doing Jones from the start off the bench by all means. Um, and we do need to think about if the game plan is get to nil nil and seventy. I know I keep saying it, and I apologise, but if the game plan is that, then we do need to think about the five substitutes we have and how we use them because that's almost as crucial as the starting eleven he picks and bringing on the likes of Charles and Jones to give them some different to think about. Um, we'll play into that. But uh, as far as I can see, I can't see him doing anything other than that. Can you see a mad shout being thrown in there up front? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's Washington and then another. Yeah. For me. Okay. I know we've discussed in previous podcasts about McGuinness's effectiveness off the bench. We don't know his, his fitness either. He hasn't been in the whole squad for the last few, so yeah. we don't know if he's fully fit either. So, well, then that could lead you to, does he pick someone who's a bit more similar to Lavery up top, i.e. Jordan Jones, mm-hmm. which would be a bit rogue, or Niall McGinn? Niall McGinn's another shout. I always seem to forget about Niall McGinn, but you know, he played in the two for against Bosnia. Mm-hmm. Um, probably isn't as quick as he used to be, but it's this sort of similar style of striker to Lavery. And then if we get it to nil nil in the last twenty minutes, bring on McGinnis. Yeah, I, I actually yeah McGinn. I don't think he'll do him from the start. He hasn't been in the <clears throat> in the Aberdeen squad for a while. If he was to do it, I mean, certainly talk about the five subs. As I say, fifteen minutes to go. If you need a goal. And you're maybe pending them in a bit and they're getting a bit touchy. I'd have McGinn on that pitch every day of the week because that guy can get numbers. He has done at club level for years and years and years now. He's come Scores up big goals, goals for us he's too. Come, yeah. He's only scored about five goals for us, but they've all been absolutely massive. You've the one in Euros, you've the one in Portugal, the one in the playoff. Um, does he have, um, I mentioned the one in Portugal. I swear there's another big one along the way that I've forgotten about, but you'd have him on. But Dave... Hungry. Um, hungry. Hungry was yeah, the other hungry. one, yes. Kicks off basically the whole kicks off the glory days really doesn't it so um yeah dave there's again charles jones 
even Paul Smith <laughs> mentioned before my wild card shout is to play it behind the ball, Washington and Paul Smith up front, and just pump it to uh, pump it to them and let them run in straight lines. Um, I can't see him doing that. Although, when he's brought replacements in for players who've been injured before, a la Lavery was brought in. Um, Charles was initially picked in the, in the March squad. Lavery was brought in. He plays Lavery a lot more. It could be one of those stylistic things where, where Paul Smith is seen as the Lavery replacement with no Gavin White in the squad. He's the only real player in the team apart from Washington, really, who has that searing pace in behind. So probably used off the bench, but is there anything mad you can see? To go completely off pace here, is is there a mental shout for McGinn at right, at right wing back? Possibly. He's done it before, hasn't he? Yeah, so, you know, we could do that. Put Dallas in the midfield. I, I don't know. But yeah, just I saw it throw that in there because I Aaron haven't Hughes at right wing back? <laughs> I hadn't even considered that before. This is a strange one because, as we know, he, he very much favoured the the big man, little man combo. Um, and I think we kind of we kind of thought, but didn't really consider that it would happen against Switzerland that he would go with the two quick lads. And I think we were talking about that before the Lithuania game. And it ended up happening. But again, it's kind of the same situation where his hand was forced. And I just wonder, has that changed his way of thinking about what he wants to do with the front two? If he does have the options of the pace, for me, it would make sense for McGuinness to not start. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since a draw is a better result for them than it is for us. Yeah, You know, so they're not going all out. Um, Are they not, though? Because they could, with Italy dropping points, they could be looking to top the group. I'm not really sure how they're thinking about that. Yeah, it's a strange one. I don't know. But they'll go in there thinking that they can go and win the game. But they know they don't necessarily want to leave massive gaps at the back either. Um, they can be a bit more controlled about it. So, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a weird one. Logic would say that he starts McGuinness and Washington. That's what that's what the the most likely shout is, given his history. But I just wonder, is does he look at the forwards that he have and think, I want to do the same thing I did in the first match because it worked really well? And if I can't have Shane Lavery, what's the next best thing? Is it Jordan Jones? Is it Paul Smith? I don't know. Who knows? It will be interesting when the team news comes through on Saturday evening. Anyway, we are going to wrap it up there. Uh, We will have a post-Switzerland show out on Saturday night. We will have a post-Bulgaria show out on the Tuesday night. But until then, thank you very much, Dave Dunning. Thank you you very much to Peter Baker. That has been your pre-Switzerland show.